I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. Hey, what is going on, everyone? The 415ers podcast back, as always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you. Download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars are much appreciated as we come to you on a Wednesday morning in between the bye week and the Chargers Sunday night football game in week 10 for the 49ers. First and foremost, Mark Grandy, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, man. Can't lie. Uh, I know I'm rocking the Cal Bears hat today, and they are down bad in both the football and to begin the basketball mm. season, as you uh, let me know this morning. So I appreciate you checking in on my uh, California Bears. You see Davis representing, am I right? Got a big win on the hardwood over them Golden Bears. Yeah, something about the Aggies. Uh, hopefully Cal wins three games this year. The 49ers, <laughs> meanwhile, already have four wins this season, so they have... Uh, Done a quite a good job so far this year. They are four and four, a chance to go above or below 500 again this weekend. Um, but Mark, we have a chance now and sort of this midway part between, of course, our midseason awards, which we talked about on Monday, as well as sort of an overall look at the season to now take a look ahead to the second half. We'll, of course, have your, your preview episode coming up on Friday to take an in-depth look at the Chargers. But we're going to take a look at this episode as you know, kind of to what the team needs to do uh, second half of the season, what some of the biggest hurdles are going to be. We're going to look at maybe a potential um, free agent signing for the 49ers that could be impactful. But first, we want to start where, unfortunately, a lot of the season has been kind of lost, and that is with the injuries. And there have been so many 49ers that have gone down throughout the first eight weeks of their season. But now with the bye week mark, they get a chance to get healthy, hopefully get some players back on Sunday against the Chargers and then further on down the line. But the question that we want to pose and hopefully get the, the minds working out there of the 415ers faithful is which injured 49er will have the biggest impact upon return? Because, Mark, there's a lot of choices at this point. I mean, yeah, just no particular order to list a handful. I mean, you got Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Eric Armstead, Kyle Juszczyk, Dre Greenlaw, who missed a game, Jason Verrett, who hasn't played all year and since very early last season, Javon Kinlaw, Jawan Jennings, Colton McKivitz, Aziz Alshire. I'm sure there's a few others that I'm mentioning. So it's not like, you know, most teams where you ask, you know, who's the one guy that you could really use back and there's a surefire name at the top of the list. For the 49ers, I mean, you could probably make a case for 
four or five guys as being really, really valuable that are that could potentially turn you know the tide of a season for the 49ers. So I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. I think probably top of the list has to be Debo Samuel just because of what he was able to do for your team last year. I mean, you know, him and Christian McCaffrey together, we still haven't really seen it. They they both play it against the Kansas City Chiefs, but McCaffrey only had 10 touches in that game when Debo was out with an injury against the Rams. Of course, McCaffrey went off and had a historic day, a receiving, passing, and rushing touchdown, which has not been done since LaDainian Tomlinson in the early uh, 2000s. Um, hmm. So incredible performance there. What will it look like when those two are on the field together? That is really interesting. That's why Debo Samuel probably is the first answer to this question, Evan. But as we'll talk about, I mean, I can make a case for for a number of different guys, as I'm sure you can as well. That's just the quality and the depth that this Niner team has that they haven't really been able to lean on too much this year because of all the injuries. Yeah, no, and and hopefully a lot of these guys are going to be available uh, coming back. So, I mean, guys like Trey Lance are obviously off the board. The seasoning and ending injuries we would love to have on the 49ers right now, we will not discuss. Um, but, of course, you know, you mentioned the running game with with McCaffrey being there. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell hopefully uh, will get back in the mix as that secondary back and maybe more of the bruising type of bell cow that uh, yeah. Shanahan will now have a different option to use in the backfield, along with probably Debo as well as McCaffrey. Uh, but to me, the first place I got to look, Mark, is on the defensive side of the football. And I, I do think there are a lot of players that you can choose from at this point. Um, but to me, it you, you mentioned him in our last episode, but uh, it starts with Eric Armstead on the defensive line because as we've sort of laid out throughout some of the episodes this season, he creates such a different look for the entire defense and especially in the run as well as the pass. And just looking to this weekend against a team like the Chargers, a team that doesn't necessarily run the football that well, but is sort of opportunistic and efficient when they do run the football. They're pass heavy. Um, to me, he's kind of a perfect fit against a team like the Chargers. Uh, should he you know, be available? May or may not be. But down the stretch of this season, they're going to need him if they want to compete for a deep playoff run. Because, look, last year, I know you, you laid out kind of some numbers in our episode a few weeks ago where last year his shift from um, defensive end to the D tackle position kind of vaulted the Niners from a 14th rushing defense to number one in the entire league. That's the type of impact that he has. And he opens up everything for those extra pass rushers. Uh, even Nick Bosa, who doesn't need much help by himself, but of course is much more efficient when Armstead is on the field. He allows the extra guys like a Menahue, uh, maybe a Drake Jackson coming off the bench, Samson Abukamp to have more free reign to get to the quarterback. So to me, that's where I would start as far as who I think will have the biggest impact upon return. It's got to be Eric Armstead. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think for me, Debo and, and Armstead are right up there with each other in terms of you know most impactful uh, once they're back out there on the field. What what Armstead does, and I don't think he gets nearly enough credit um, you know, from outside of the organization, from the fan base, because what he does isn't necessarily – um, it doesn't necessarily stand out. It's not the sexiest thing. He's not going to rack, rack up sacks like, like Nick Bosa does rushing from the outside spot, but what Eric Armstead does, and you mentioned that shift from the outside to the inside of the line last year that kind of coincided with the season's turnaround. The other half of that was Debo Samuel being more involved in the run game. 
That was the offensive change. The defensive change was Armstead plugging up the gaps in the middle of the defensive line. What that does is it stops the run. Eric Armstead is an elite run stopper. And what happens when you can stop an opposing team's run? They have to throw the ball. What happens when they throw the ball more? Nick Bosa has more opportunities to rush the passer. What happens when Nick Bosa has more opportunities to rush the passer? He gets more sacks and the Niners win games. That's that's the that's the equation for the 49ers. It stopped the run. They have not been able to do that much without Armstead, but with him, that will allow them to stop the run with more regularity. That will allow Nick Bosa to, you know, pin his ears back and run after the quarterback, whoever it may be, force some interceptions, strip the ball out, sack him push them behind the chains, give the ball back to the offense and let, let Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and everyone go to work. That is the equation for the 49ers, and it starts with Eric Armstead in the middle. So I'm right there with you. He is hugely important, and it, I'm not certainly that optimistic that he will play this week against the Chargers. It's still up in the air. This episode coming out on Wednesday, Kyle Shanahan will talk for the first time this week later on today, so we don't quite know just yet. If I had to guess, I would probably say he doesn't play this week and plays the following week, but still, whenever he does come back, uh, the 49ers, their defense is going to take a giant step forward because he, in my opinion, is that important. Oh, he is. Uh, And another player that, to me, if he can, it's a player we haven't seen this year. But Jason Verrett, to me, is a guy that if he can stay healthy, now that's been the biggest if of his entire career since he was a first-round pick in 2013 out of TCU. When he plays, he is a Pro Bowl caliber corner. The issue is that he's had basically three different knee surgeries, and you're not exactly sure what's going to be left of him. But with the 49ers losing Emmanuel Mosley, In our last episode, I argued that because of the trickle-down effect of his absence, that is a position that is now barren, forcing Lenore to the outside, forcing Jimmy Ward to play in the slot, forcing a lot of guys, not necessarily out of position, but positions in which they are not at full strength. If Jason Verrett can come in whenever he's available to, he came off the pup list last week, potentially eligible to return against the Chargers, we will see his former team, If he can play at his former level, he is going to be allowed to basically slot in as the number two corner. And to me, that's another place where this 49ers defense can also take a a next step. So, you know, I I know we're looking at the defensive side of the football. Getting Debo Samuel is, is first and foremost offensively to me. But to be able to shore up first the defensive line with Armstead and then having Jason Verrett eliminate kind of that that domino effect of everyone kind of having to play out of position on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary if he can come back and be healthy uh to me mark that's another big impactful player that could return and alleviate some pressure all around the defense yep i agree with you and you know you mentioned you know they they or put him took him off the physically unable to perform uh perform list we'll see if he is able to go against the chargers as you mentioned could potentially be a a revenge game for uh, for him as he's a former Charger. But uh, also this week, the Niners, they opened the injured reserve practice windows for linebacker Aziz Alshire, offensive lineman Colton McKivitz, and running back Elijah Mitchell. So those are three others to consider 
What that means isn't that they will play this week. It just means that when they did open those practice windows, which was uh, yesterday, Monday, or uh, Monday, a couple of days ago, um, what that does is it gives the 49ers three weeks' time, 21 days to activate them onto the 53-man roster. So it means that they're confident that they're getting close. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen for this week against the Chargers, but that's fantastic news because it's a big reason why, and on the last episode, I chose Fred Warner as my my team MVP because there's kind of been a turnstile next to him you know, in his co-linebacker spot. Aziz Oshire has not played much this season with an injury. Dre Greenlaw did not play last game against the Rams. There's a pretty decent chance that he's back as well. So you can kind of look at the linebacker group, you know, as a whole, you know, those two guys coming back as one potential addition and Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Shire. We talked a lot about Eric Armstead and, and you talked a lot about uh, at the corner position, Jason Verrett, but that linebacker spot next to Fred Warner is also hugely important because the Niners have had to rely on guys that they were coming into the season expecting mostly to play on special teams in Demetrius Flanagan Fowles and Oren Burks. And, and, you know, they filled in well for the most part against the Rams, but having guys like Dre Greenlaw and uh, uh, um, Aziz Alshire back uh, will certainly help the 49ers as well in the second half of the year. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw questionable at this point went down against Kansas City. I am curious how they're going to sort of figure out that that will linebacker position opposite Fred Warner because although Aziz Alshair is a quality linebacker and throughout, I think the tail end of last season really demonstrated his worth for the 49ers. Um, Drake Greenlaw quietly has been a, a very, very good linebacker this year and has maybe not you know been around the football as much as, as Fred Warner, but has had a couple of games where he's racked up double-digit tackles, uh, has been good in coverage, surprisingly, this season, and has basically you know, not made it so fans have really missed the presence of Aziz Alshair, although he is more of a thumper and a big hitter. Um, so, so the 49ers are going to have some, I think some decisions to make as far as how they want to use both of those guys. And maybe the fact that both are sort of, you know, banged up a bit, they can rotate them in alongside yeah. Warner and then hopefully be able to kind of coax them down the road, keep them fresh uh, for a potential playoff run. I think the other thing about Dre Greenlaw, you mentioned, you know, kind of the thumper, a big hitter. He kind of makes those highlight plays a little bit more than Aziz Oshire. It seems like Aziz is more consistent. Maybe you don't notice him make a great play as often, but he doesn't make big mistakes. Dre Greenlaw, kind of the knack on him throughout his career, it's still early in his career, but the knack, the knock on him has been, you know, he'll make good plays. So he'll deliver a big hit. He'll he'll make wide receivers question coming over the middle, but he'll also get, you know, get hit with a unnecessary roughness penalty. He'll hit someone too late out of bounds. He'll grab a face mask and, and cost you 15 yards. I think before he got hurt against the Chiefs as well, we've seen him take a step forward in that regard this season as well. So that's that's always good news. You want those big plays. You want the big hits, obviously not illegal hits. You want the hits that, that make, uh, offensive weapons think twice about running into the open field with you nearby. You want them to have that fear in their mind. And Dre Greenlaw does provide that. Um, but up to, you know, before this season, you're always kind of questioning if he's going to make a backbreaking mistake with a late hit or a shot to the head that might cost you a really big first down. And that has been the case 
in the past at times. So I think he's taken a step forward in that regard. And if he can keep that up when he comes back from this injury, um, it's, it's only going to make the 49ers defense that much tougher because when they were, you know, at full strength early in the season, I know they weren't playing elite offenses, but really the only thing that could stop them or, or slow them down defensively was self-inflicted wounds. And uh, if, if Drake Greenlaw can get that part of his game under wraps, I think we'll see his game take a step forward, but the Niner defense as well continue to perform at a high level. Yeah, and then on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned Mitchell along with McKivitz coming off of IR, designated to return from IR uh, this week. Those are guys that, to me, you know, just add more depth to the 49ers. And, and on the offensive side of the football, it'll be interesting to see how they use Mitchell. Um, I mean, even though he had a great season last year, at the end of the day, he, he still is a, a six-round pick. And you still do have, of course, now Christian McCaffrey, uh, along with Debo Samuel, who'll need touches out of the backfield. So I, I'm curious to see how they use him. Um, on the defense, or pardon me, on the other guy on the offensive side of the ball who potentially could return and is technically a starter would be Kyle Juszczyk, uh, who had that yeah. broken finger against Kansas City, missed the Rams game. Um, Kyle Shanahan said that there was a chance he could return right now. He's questionable for the Chargers game, but that's another guy who adds a different dynamic and a different wrinkle to an offense now just littered with different ways to attack you in about that five to 10 yard range, or maybe use check leaking out of the backfield. Um, it, the Niners just have a bevy of options. Should a guy like use check be back? Yeah, I think uh, the fact that, you know, what we, we first mentioned use check and good job, you know, on by you for remembering 15 and a half minutes or so into into this episode. <laughs> I think that just goes to it's nothing against use check. I think it just goes to show that the Niners have so many other injuries that are top of mind. Use check is clearly really, really important to this offense. Um, I think I, I'm, I am just really excited. I think you'll have a giant gigantic impact, but I'm excited to see how Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme up, you know, both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey along with Juszczyk on the field. Because Juszczyk, you know, you follow him, he's going to lead you to the ball. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch and see how Kyle Shanahan coming off of a bye week has schemed things up and how he uses eye candy from motions of George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, how he leads uses Juszczyk as a lead blocker. Maybe he even uses use check as kind of a decoy. You know, he's going up the middle to block for McCaffrey who's in the backfield and it's a fake handoff to McCaffrey. And suddenly Debo has space down the right side because the defense is following both use check and McCaffrey to the middle of the field. I think there's so many options for Shanahan and Kyle use checks. Versatility is a, is a big reason for that. So uh good, good call. I I'm also uh, eager to see use checks return, whether it's this week or next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. The 415ers coming at you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on social at Giddings 10 Mark is on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. That takes us to uh, our next point, Mark, because the 49ers do have a lot to, I think, be happy about moving into the second half, sort of unofficially, of course, uh, this season. Like what the biggest challenge will be. And to me, a lot of these challenges uh, are going to be ones that at least I'm looking forward to. I I don't see them more so as uh, a negative sort of um, maybe hurdle or, or obstacle that's standing in their way. But I'll throw it to you first and and then uh, kind of bounce off of that. But to me, the challenges that the Niners have are good things to worry about, whereas other teams maybe are kind of looking at themselves, reevaluating after the trade deadline and saying, maybe we should have gone and gotten gotten that guy, or maybe we should have upgraded here, or maybe we're going to have to figure out how to patch up these holes. To me, the Niners don't have as many of those issues. Um, So I'm curious what you think the biggest challenge will be for the 49ers the rest of the way. I'm not sure if this is exactly what you were going for when you posed the question to me. I spent a, a lot of time thinking about this, what I wanted to go with. I'm, I'm kind of in the same vein as you. Um, it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge. And, and I'm going to say it's trying your best to spread out touches on offense because there's so many guys and so many mouths to feed for the 49ers. I thought what we saw Kyle Shanahan do against the Rams without Debo Samuel active but with Christian McCaffrey and Jeff Wilson Jr. before the Niners traded him to the Dolphins, considering Jeff Wilson Jr.'s ability to catch passes, that's not something that Elijah Mitchell does all that well, but certainly Debo Samuel does. I mean, he's a wide receiver first and foremost, but also can be used as a ball carrier. Uh, I think what Kyle Shanahan does in terms of mixing up the running backs that he uses, and you can also throw Debo Samuel into that group, you know, with McCaffrey, with Elijah Mitchell and with Debo Samuel, how is he splitting up carries out of the backfield? How is he splitting up touches for those guys in general? Because they're obviously all effective. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in general are are more similar to each other. Elijah Mitchell, as you mentioned, is you know more of the generic running back between the tackles. He can break some tackles, run over some guys, and give you an extra two or three yards on, on every carry. Um But the way that the Niners used Jeff Wilson Jr. and Christian McCaffrey against the Rams and the way that I imagine they will use Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey going forward is because they're both threats out of the backfield to make catches. So I'm really curious to see how Elijah Mitchell factors in. And then you you also throw in George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. I think a challenge for Kyle Shanahan, one is making sure that you know, no one feels left out on the offense. And I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not saying that there's going to be any sort of, you know, chemistry issue or anything. That's, that's, uh, cannot be further from what I'm saying. I'm just saying Kyle Shanahan has so many weapons on offense. I think a real challenge is going to be, you know, make sure everyone gets at least five, six, seven touches a game because that's more difficult than it sounds when you have this many guys out there that are, capable of turning in gigantic games and are capable of putting the the team on their back at times. So I think a challenge for the 49ers is offensively, uh, it's a good challenge and a good problem to have, 
uh, but it's making sure that everyone gets the touches that they deserve because you just have so many mouths to feed. No, and that's exactly where I'm at. And, and that's where I was kind of going with this question is, like you have almost too many options at this point because before Christian McCaffrey got to the 49ers, there were, excluding quarterbacks, six guys on the roster with double-digit touches. Hmm. Now, right now, the 49ers have spread out over the course of eight games just to do some math and give you an idea of what the challenge is going to be and what Kyle Shanahan, sure, and his staff is looking at. 372 touches for the entire team this season. That comes out to about 47 touches through eight games per game. That means now you have six guys that are already on the roster. That's one of the reasons they got rid of Jeff Wilson Jr., not only to to help him and put him in a position to succeed, do better for his career, but I think also to eliminate a potential option on offense. I mean... Right now, you add Christian McCaffrey. You're right. You got Elijah Mitchell coming back. You got Kyle Juszczyk coming back. You got Debo Samuel coming back. I think, in a way, the Rams game was a perfect introduction for Christian McCaffrey specifically because there wasn't that many other mouths to feed. Whereas now, each game moving forward, it's going to be touched by committee. And I know a lot of people are going to maybe sort of look at Kyle Shanahan and there's going to be games the rest of this way where maybe Debo gets the ball two times. I mean, maybe Brandon Ayuk, who has led the receiving core in receptions, yards, touchdowns. Maybe he gets two targets a game. Maybe Christian McCaffrey in some games gets only 10 or 15 touches or 10 or 15 looks at touches. George Kittle could be absent. There are going to be games where these guys simply do not get the ball because if you're looking at about 47 touches per game, you're going to spread that between seven guys. And Christian McCaffrey right now is number one in the pecking order. But to me, that could change on a game-by-game basis depending on who has the hot hand, depending on how Kyle Shanahan wants to script the first 24 plays, depending on how defenses react to those first 24 plays. So right now, the 49ers offensively are in a position where they have a lot of mouths that need to get fed. But to me, the biggest challenge is going to be keeping those guys happy and also healthy, uh, which is a big part, too. I know we talked about before that kind of being a cop-out with you know our, our first segment that we discussed, all the guys going down and coming back and the impact they're going to have. But I just feel like, to me, the largest hurdle that they have to jump down the stretch is going to be finding a way to make sure that everyone gets enough of the football because you also have a quarterback that is less capable than others in that department, in delivering the football outside of just handing it off. So Kyle Shanahan, this is where we're going to see him earn his money as a play caller, as the quote-unquote boy genius and offensive wonder on that side of the ball. This is where we're going to see him get those big bucks. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I can, you know, you, you kind of got me thinking. I'm looking forward maybe to, you know, a tough game for the 49ers ahead. For example, week 13, Miami at home. They are a high-powered offense. Say the Niners drop that game and maybe the offense isn't quite as explosive as it needed to be to win that game. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you know, rain hell down on the Niners secondary, which they've done to anyone they've played so far this year. Let's just run out that example and say that happens. The Niners can't score enough points. And you look at the box score after after the fact and 
Debo Samuel had four touches gained, what, I don't know, 27 total yards. Let's just yeah. say that that happens. It, it very well can because of, as you just mentioned, all of the mouths the Niners have to feed. I mean, Debo gets four touches, okay? Maybe one carry and three catches, whatever the number is, whatever the split is. George Kittle got six catches. Christian McCaffrey had 14 touches, you know, 10 carries, four catches, whatever, whatever the number is. And the Niners lose that game. I can already hear all of the Niner fans on Twitter, everyone calling in to talk shows around the Bay Area, saying, what the hell is Kyle Shanahan doing not giving the ball to Debo Samuel more? Like, you can already see that happening. And fair or not, it's it's going to happen because the Niners, they're, they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the way. Spoiler, they're going to slip up here or there. I would I would venture to guess. I'd be willing to bet that. It's a, it's a pretty safe bet. Um, but whenever that that you know trip up does does happen, when that loss happens, when uh, you know something that fans weren't expecting, when with something that they would call an upset happens against the 49ers, and you might see one of your stars, whether it's Kittle or Debo or McCaffrey or whoever, whenever you see one of them, maybe with fewer touches than you wanted, people are going to come out of the woodwork for Kyle Shanahan. That's just the nature of how it happens. I mean, it's happened for George Kittle when he was. One of the only, you know, stars on the offense. It's going to happen now when there's all these guys here. So uh, to your point, I can certainly see that happening. And I can I can maybe hear people listening to this episode saying that's not really a challenge. I mean, it certainly it's a great problem to have, but it's a problem for Kyle Shanahan because, as you mentioned, he wants to keep everyone happy and he doesn't want people upset at him, which you can already see the the, the path for that to happen. Yeah, and, and you alluded to it, but spoiler alert, people are going to be mad at Kyle Shanahan. Like that is <laughs> just that is happen. going well, it's happened throughout his first six seasons, or you know, now now five plus in uh is, is sixth year. Like it's going to happen. People are going to be angry at Kyle Shanahan. It's not gonna ha- happen after wins. Um, but it's going to happen eventually when hey, they hey, lose. I mean, I could see it say, you know, I could see got- it this weekend. If they lose to the Chargers, you're going to be like, hey, you got all these guys back off of injury. You got all these different offensive options. You're getting maybe a couple guys back on defense against a very banged up Chargers team. And if you happen to lose that game come Monday morning after a national TV potential loss, people are going to be coming down Kyle Shanahan's road because that's the guy. Like That is right now the guy in the crosshairs. And he kind of always has been, but I think even more so this season than others. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I think it could even happen in a win. Say this team hosts Arizona. Let's see that their home game against Arizona is actually the final game of the regular season. Week 18. Say the Niners win that game and it gets them the NFC West and, and they're the third seed. If you if you win the NFC West, you should at the very worst be the third seed, possible up, up to the two seed. The four seed is still possible as well, but the NFC South champ is likely going to be that four seed. Let's just say the Niners eke out a win against the Cardinals. They win Week 18. They win the NFC West. All you know, great, fantastic news for the 49ers. No, the, not, there will be Niner fans who would want a. 14-point win against the Cardinals, and the Niners only won by three at home in a game they had to have against the lowly Arizona Cardinals, who had been eliminated from the playoffs weeks ago. They got nothing to play for. You only come out and you win by three? Kyle Shanahan, you gave Debo the ball only five times. How is that possible? This is not only a, a thing that could happen in losses. It's a thing that could happen in wins. 
in wins in which the team didn't perform as well as maybe they should have or you thought they might. So I'm with you that this is certainly something that Kyle Shanahan will have to work at uh, because he hasn't ever been in a position like this where he's had so many guys to choose from on the offensive side of the ball. And there will be games 100% where Christian McCaffrey does not get the touches he deserves, where George Kittle is overlooked because there's just so much else to look at for Jimmy Garoppolo and for the 49ers offense. Brandon Ayuk's receiving numbers will probably take a dip in the second half of the season. It is bound to happen because that's what happens when you have all these stars on offense. Yeah, and again, it's a great problem to have. And I think, you know, health aside, the 49ers are back to being in consideration for a team with the best roster in football. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, have um, you know, probably proven that that they have it thus far. Um, the 49ers to me are the only area where they might be lacking at this point, primarily due to injury would just be in the trenches, um, offensive and defensive line at this point. But if they get an Eric Armstead back, that, that totally changes the equation. If Trent Williams can stay healthy the rest of this season, he alleviates so much pressure up front for the 49ers. And now it's just about rolling the ball out there and playing. Like I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what this offense from, it's it's so wild where we started this season, obviously, with Trey Lance. But even then in week two, where the offense started with Jimmy Garoppolo taking over, and then, of course, week three, the freaking debacle in Denver. Oh my goodness. To go from that to potentially one of the most dynamic, creative, widespread, uh, bountiful offenses in football. Like, the, the, the 2022 49ers have a you know, a story arc that I, I I don't really think you can, at least off the top of my head, think of many other teams that have undergone something like that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And uh, Mark, there's a chance they could add even another player. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a big name out there on the on the free agent market. I don't know. Yeah, uh, before we get to that, remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast, the 415ers, three times a week. The uh, 415ers, also, we have our own social media. Uh, just go and search on Twitter for 415ers, Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. We're also on Instagram now trying to post stuff as much as we can. We appreciate all your support. Uh, Mark, the, the name on the market is Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that was in many ways, responsible for the Fort Anders not being in the Super Bowl last yeah. year. He was, of course, in addition to the Los Angeles Rams when they traded for him last season. 
He helps them become Super Bowl champs despite tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl, and he's been working his way back. The target date, rumor-wise, has been around December, so not technically there yet, but OBJ has voiced his his interest. A lot of uh, NFL insiders, I saw Jay Glazer, um, tagged the 49ers with OBJ, not necessarily the, you know, the, the leading candidate, but being in the, in the group of teams that could be suitable for OBJ's services. Obviously, the Rams are in that mix, of course, with him being on the team last year. And then I heard on Damon Arado, your show, Mark, Peter King also throw the Dallas Cowboys into that category. So, I mean, I, I I know we just talked about all the different ways that Kyle Shanahan is going to have to overcome maybe addition uh, or subtraction by addition, but are you interested in maybe an OBJ uh, uh, coming to the coming to the Bay? I am only interested in the Niners doing the uh, you know the homework on Odell Beckham Jr. for one reason, and that reason is to drive up the price for whoever it is that signs him. <laughs> the Niners do not need Odell Beckham Jr. There's nothing against him. You mentioned he was phenomenal in the playoffs last year for the Rams. If they don't make that trade midseason with the Browns and acquire him, they probably do not win the Super Bowl. It, it might might have been Niners against the Bengals, and who knows at what at, at uh, what happens at that point in the Super Bowl. It's nothing against Odell Beckham Jr. When healthy, he has still proven to be an effective wide receiver, and I think he took a big step forward um, mentally last year. I suppose when he was you know serving second fiddle to Cooper Cup, it kind of had been you know a point of contention as whether he would accept a role like that. Um, but he does not need to be on the 49ers. The 49ers do not need Odell Beckham Jr. We spent the last 20 minutes talking about how the biggest challenge for the 49ers in the second half of the season is spreading the ball around because they have so many weapons. You do not need to add another mouth to this offense at the moment. If Odell Beckham Jr. wants to take the veteran minimum and is totally fine, uh, you know, playing behind Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and he's he's fine with you know getting only a handful of of snaps and a target or two a game fine but I, my assumption is that he does not want to do that uh so 49ers sure do your homework look into it call his representatives tell him you're interested uh you know make us uh, if it comes to it you know tell him what you might offer him and and he'll bring that to some other team maybe the Buffalo Bills maybe the Dallas Cowboys and they have to pay a bit more for him. Who knows? So that's the only reason I want the Niners to be interested in this. I, I just do not think that they have any need for Odell Beckham Jr. I am with you to an extent. And I know that there are different scenarios under which you bring players in. But Christian McCaffrey seemed like a match made in heaven for the 49ers stylistically. I don't think anyone would disagree. He and Shanahan are a match made in heaven. Uh, we fawned over that the moment that they got him. But one of the other reasons that they went out and got Christian McCaffrey was so that the Los Angeles Rams could not get Christian McCaffrey, whose offer was just a little bit lower than the 49ers. Cam Akers was involved, I believe. Uh, the report was like a second, a third, and a fourth. Um, but of course, with with the where the Rams are slotted, those picks are not as valuable as the 49ers, who also tossed in a future fifth. Um, so they got a little bit more from San Francisco. Obviously, OBJ and Christian McCaffrey are at very different point in their careers. And OBJ is coming off a large injury, a large looming injury. But I do wonder 
if being able to sign him, not to say you just you just take him to take him, but if there's you know a Buffalo Bills team that is uh, basically depending on Josh Allen's UCL right now, um, as to how far their season could or could not go, OBJ on that team opposite Stephon Diggs with Gabe Davis, that could be a, a lethal uh, wide receiving crew. You know, the Dallas Cowboys were another team that was thrown in there. CeeDee Lamb, um, you know, doesn't really have much of a running mate outside of Michael Gallup at this point. He could go back to the Giants. There's another report there. He could go back to the Giants, who really don't have a number one receiver at this (laughs) point. Um, So as as much as I don't think that the Niners need him, I I also kind of wonder, okay, well, could could Kyle Shanahan play some hardball just to try and scoop him up away from a potential competitor down the line. Um, that That's something that I, I don't know if you pay an extra umpteen, you know, about hundred thousand or, you know, millions of dollars to do, but it, it did get my mind working a little bit because the, the, I mean, obviously you get McCaffrey because he's an amazing player. You fit him right into your offense. Um, but if the Rams end up getting Christian McCaffrey, that to me is a very different team than what they look like right now, as you said, lifeless last week. Uh, so it's just something to keep an eye on. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Uh, as presently constructed, uh, and let's let's assume general health, Debo Samuel does not you know, get hurt and, and miss the rest of the season. Uh, does Odell Beckham Jr. on the 49ers make them better? And if so, how much? Yes, I think he does, actually, because they're... Well, so I mean, Debo Samuel is is a number one wide receiver, but he doesn't really excel in in the route running category. And again, we don't know what OBJ is going to look like coming off of knee surgery. But if he finds a way to return to the level he was last year, he, he if he is your third wide receiver, I'm, I'm sorry, Juwan Jennings, I love you. I know he's pretty good on third downs. Um, but if you're telling me that you got Debo Samuel, Brennan Ayuk, and Odell Beckham Jr., and Odell Beckham Jr. would be okay with taking a a reserved role in an offense, I think that one that would help him maybe stay healthy coming off of the knee surgery. I think it would allow him also to maybe feature some of his um, rental properties because he's probably not going to be on whatever team he ends up on after this season, becoming a free agent. Um, I, I think absolutely he can make the Niners better in the passing game. I think, I mean, he, the Niners would be a better team with him, but I don't, I don't really think we would feel much of an impact unless there was an injury. So I think Odell Beckham Jr. to the 49ers would be insurance. And, hey, it's great to have insurance, uh, but assume relative health for the 49ers, and I don't think we really see much of an impact from Odell Beckham Jr. as a San Francisco 49er because of what we've spent most of this episode talking about is they just have so many offensive weapons. And certainly adding another is is never a bad thing. And again, we don't really know what he's going to look like coming off of, of major knee surgery after tearing his ACL uh, in the postseason last year. Um, so sure, in a vacuum, would you rather have more talented people than, than not? I mean, of course. Uh, but considering what he might cost, um, which isn't going to be a ton, but it's certainly not going to be a veteran minimum number. Um, and then considering what the Niners' position of need is, it's certainly not wide receiver, and it's certainly not offensive weapon, at least in my mind. So 
well, I think the Niners are doing the right thing by, you know, reportedly having interest. I mean, you need to check things out. Otherwise, you're just simply not doing your job. Um, they should be checking it out. And they are. And that's what the Niners have done for really every major name that's been out there. That They do their homework. They're in discussions for all the right people. And they just try to, you know, take the the, the chance at the right moment like they did with Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I think ultimately they're in it just to check and, and see what OBJ, uh, what, what his market is like, what other teams might be willing to pay him, what he's looking for, what he wants his role to be. And they'll ultimately determine uh, probably for a, con, you know, a conglomeration of reasons uh, that it's not a right fit and they'll move on pretty quickly. That would be my guess. Again, in a vacuum, would he make them better? Yeah, probably. But I think it's marginally and, and probably not worth it. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, let me ask you a question, though. I, I know that the 49ers don't have much opportunity to improve outside or externally, I should say. All of their additions are going to come from from the guys who are hurt right now. But where do you think is their biggest area of need since, since you kind of mentioned that? I think it's probably cornerback. Uh, I think that would be the, the place I go to now. Jason Verrett, of course, as, as we talked about earlier, is, you know, likely going to return to the field soon at some point might not be against the chargers if it's not that probably within the next week or two um but i'm not sure how how much you can rely on a guy like him who you know his injury you know history is extensive and we've talked a lot about that on the pod this year um and we've talked a lot about jimmy ward moving into the nickel spot Giamador lenore having to play you know, uh, the second corner spot because of Emmanuel Mosley's injury. I think corner is that is that spot for me. And if I were to rank, you know, position by position of need, wide receiver or offensive weapon in general might be, you know, one of the bottom three. I, I just don't think that that's anywhere near the top for the 49ers. No, I don't think it is either. But I, I think that, I don't know, I guess it just might be able to mask some of the other deficiencies on offense. OBJ is also a guy who can get open in space. It, it's not like he's... Um, a burner. I, I I've seen some stuff on Twitter. People kind of wondering about, uh, you know, Danny Gray or or some sort of deep threat that the 49ers may or may not have. I, I get they don't have a lot of speed, but to me, the way that they're constructed right now offensively is 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 pretty genius. Like they have basically acquired, I don't know, four or five different guys that can beat you within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, which yeah. is where Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty much most efficient at. I think OBJ is also probably one of those players right now. I, I know that in his heyday, he could take a five-yard slant to the house, but those days are behind him. He channeled a bit of that during the postseason run last year for the Rams. I would expect him to be a, a bit slower. So to me, if, I, I do think stylistically, I mean, we, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I do think he could fit into that sort of Shanahan yak or you know five yards 10 yards within mode yeah i i could see it i'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't have he wouldn't make the team better because i think he would I, I just don't think it's necessarily worth it uh, i guess I'll, i would turn the question back around to you uh I, I went cornerback would you agree that that's probably the niners you know biggest position of need at this point yeah and that's why at the beginning of the episode to me Although Armstead is is certainly a better player than Jason Verrett, and certainly at this point in his career, to me the Verrett return could have, I guess, a, a larger impact as far as what injuries, um, or I guess returns, you know, could could help the 49ers just yeah. because, like, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily expect a whole lot from Emmanuel Mosley, 
But I don't think it's a coincidence that about the time that he goes down is also when uh, the Niners start to just get torched through the air. I mean, I I know Mariota and the Falcons did a lot of their damage on the ground, but they also kind of got whatever they wanted when they wanted through the air. Mariota started out like 13 of 13 in that game or something like (laughs) that. Um, the, the chiefs are, are a little bit of a different story. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pass heavy teams coming up on the horizon for the 49ers that they're going to need two quality corners against. So yeah, I would say I would, I would agree with you in, in reference to the corner position being the most important. Yeah, I think I think that one's relatively obvious, but I mean, you, you never want to turn down help at any position. I think quickly before we do wrap up something that we talked about in the last segment was, uh, you know, a challenge for the 49ers in the second half. You're talking about pass happy offenses. I mean, you got the Chargers, uh, the Cardinals. New Orleans is is not a pass happy offense. If I was playing them, I'd want them to be pass happy. Um, yeah. And then you have Miami and Tampa Bay. I think we kind of midway or you know maybe a few weeks into the season talked about how the second half of the season suddenly not nearly as challenging as you thought it might be because you know Tampa Bay is down, New Orleans is down, Arizona is down, uh, the Raiders are down. But you look at it now, and, and maybe it changes a little bit. I mean, Miami is playing fantastic football again. Tampa Bay, they have Seattle in Germany this this week. If they win that, they're on a back, they're on a win streak. They would have won two straight games. They're probably feeling better about themselves. Obviously, Seattle is a gigantic surprise, and the Commanders aren't bad. So maybe a challenge for the 49ers is kind of reevaluating the schedule ahead and and maybe noting that there are a few more challenging games ahead that than maybe you thought there were if you just looked at it just a few weeks ago. Yeah, and obviously we'll break this down further on future episodes, but just to me, the first thing that comes into my head is outside of New Orleans and probably Washington, there's a lot of teams that can score points. Like They may not be that great on paper, but they can score, and that's at least one area so far this year that the 49ers have struggled and is putting up large amounts of points if you know if there's a team like the Raiders that could potentially score 28 in a game there's the Cardinals who are probably not that good but they've been in the 20s consistently if your offense has an off day as the Niners have been known to do uh, you might be in trouble so we'll definitely take a look at one of those pass happy and high octane offenses on Friday being the Los Angeles Chargers coming into Levi Stadium this weekend uh, but for this episode that'll wrap things up and Mark thank you as always my man Yeah, yeah, thank you as well. I can't wait for Sunday night. It's going to be a long Sunday. Whenever the Niners play Sunday night, you just kind of spend all Sunday sitting around waiting for the game. I know there's a lot of football to keep your eyes on, but Sunday night, it uh, it makes me impatient because I just want the Niners to play already. So looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully it won't be like the last Sunday night football game. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk more about it on Friday. And uh, in the meantime, take it easy. This has been the 415ers podcast. As always, coming to you on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. We will talk to you next time.